Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode three of Life Seeds, where we're going to dive into something that uh, is vine-like, but something that is close to my heart as well, uh, because uh, the world of wine. Uh, my background, of course, is Italian. Uh, my wine that my grandfather, my nonno, used to feed me was the worst ever. He always would put it with ginger ale because uh, that's how bad the wine was. Oh but my. of course, we have Amanda with me this morning. But I'm really excited to also invite Allison Finley, which is a winemaker at Flat Rock in the Niagara region. Hey, guys. How's everybody? So good. So good. So glad to be here, guys. Allison, I'm so glad for you to join us to debunk Frankie's putting ginger ale or Sprite in wine. That's not the way to go, is it? <laughs> you know what? Whatever, whatever floats your boat, whatever you like, I'm not here to, you know, judge. <laughs> Personally, not my favorite, but yeah. That's just well, how bad it was. It was just that bad. <laughs> oh, gotta cut the taste, cut the taste. Allison, you are a winemaker. Can you just give us a little background of who you are? and kind of like how you got to the position of being a winemaker. And we have so many questions for you about wine because who doesn't love a good glass of wine? Oh, the greatest thing. Morning, morning, noon, night, weekend, Tuesday celebrations. It's like the perfect, perfect beverage. It just fits with everything. Um, so yeah, I, I did not grow up wanting to be a winemaker. It's not like really a thing you, you think of when you're a Northern Ontario kid, you know, growing up around no, no vines. Um, but I was really into science and plant sciences. So I did a bachelor of science degree. And then I was down in Niagara visiting a friend on reading week one, one year and was just, just fell in love with this idea of, of so soil and sunshine and art and science. And this woman behind a tasting bar just sold me this like amazing idea of wine. And I just thought wine was like my mom drank with her friends. Like I was so not privy to this world. And so I looked at the, the viticulture and winery program at Niagara College and I was graduated. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. And I listened to this program and every single winery was like by a lake or in the mountains or in beautiful parts of the world. And it, it was so cool. And the courses were like soil analysis and vine biology. I'm like, oh, I've done this already. Like, this is so crazy. Plus like sensory analysis of wines and old world wine knowledge. I'm like, so wait, I can taste wine and stick to the, like the science part it was just like a perfect fit for me and yeah and then I kind of I got in the program did it and just fell in love with it and it really took me to some cool places that travel a bit and um you know do some harvests around the world and that's always the the fun part when you can work and travel and live and kind of hone your craft a bit so, yeah when it comes to wine wine has a lot of romance of course and it sounds very romantic but there's a lot of work you've you've grown in the industry so tell us about uh, that journey as well yeah so when I started um obviously I was very very green and just um had never really known a lot about pumps and and you know a lot about any mechanics of this stuff and really a cellar is a production facility where we move liquid around right so a lot of a lot of stainless steel and um, a lot of hard work and heavy heavy lifting so um yeah I just think that it's a very glamorous, glamorous job title. Um, I think winemaker, people think of us as stomping grapes gingerly with our feet and sipping on the juice and you know, all this romance behind it, which is, which is part of it for sure. But uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of dirty work that goes in behind the scenes and most days are, are long and arduous and very um, not dry and not warm and not clean at all. 
I love that your Instagram handle is winemakers boots and your first <laughs> post is all about, Ooh, I love these boots, baby. They are my number one favorite companion. And that just goes to show that, yeah, that's certainly a part of it now as well. It's a bit cooler this time of year and you're growing grapes, you're doing wine. So can you tell us a little bit about the cool climate wines and kind of like seasonally how we see that all change over the, the next bit? Yeah, so um, basically cool climate versus warmer climate. You think of cool climate, you have Ontario, you have parts of New Zealand, you have, you know, um, maybe more new world styles and then warm climate with your Spain and those very dry, arid um, summers. And in Ontario, cool climate just means that we have a shorter growing season, basically. So we have to have great varietals that can ripen um, in a shorter time frame. So you think of those big cabs, Napa cabs and stuff, we grow those in Ontario, but they're not always going to be that same style every year because we have to pick them kind of before the snow flies. So we kind of have a shorter growing season. Um, that's why Pinot Noir, Chard, and Riesling do so well because they do have a little bit of a shorter growing season. And the thing about cool climate for us is that it actually benefits us because our vines stay dormant for longer in the spring and aren't as affected by that crazy random spring frost we always get. We always say, don't plant your your um, garden until after main long weekend because you know Ontario always get that weird snap frost um, and that can really damage the vines it actually take out your whole crop for the next year so we are kind of lucky we had this kind of cute little shoulder season that tucked us in really neatly um, so most growing seasons maybe start a little earlier and end a little bit later but they kind of are more moderate whereas Ontario our curve is quite steep so we, we catch up and we hit peak ripening and then we pick it quickly and it goes back into dormancy pretty quickly. So that's kind of um, the difference in our cooler climate growing season versus a warmer climate. Of course, that's going to make better wine, uh, but tell me, <laughs> it's, right? it's a hardier, it's a hardier, Obviously. you know, it's, it's tougher. It's like, but then it's soft and subtle. Tell me about the Niagara soil, because you know, when it comes to any plant, I always say the plant is about the foundation. Uh, soil really does relate to flavor as well. Absolutely. So in Niagara, we have, a very, very di diverse uh, soil structure. It depends where exactly um, you are in relation to the lake and the escarpment. So um, realistically, if you're standing um, on the north side of the escarpment, you're staring at, you're seeing all these different layers. You see it when you go on hikes in Niagara and the escarpment, all the different layers of soil. So basically when the, the lakes receded back to Lake Ontario, all this till started um, grading down the escarpment and you're really getting different deposits as you walk towards the lake from, from the, where we are up on the 20 mile bench. And then you have the flatlands by the river, the river Delta as well in Niagara Lake. And so really it's just a diverse, diverse area for soil. A lot of clay in some spots, a lot of sand in some spots where we are specifically, we have a ton of limestone, dolomitic limestone up on the top of the escarpment. So really, really difficult soils to, to penetrate, but really, really give to the wines and give to the grapes as well. That would make the uh, the soil alkaline. So is, is that what you want? What, what type of soil? Do you want an alkaline soil for grapes? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> you know, with the, with the limestone, you are having the alkaline, the magnesium and all that kind of stuff in the, in the soil. And what I really think it does is gives minerality to the wine. So um, you don't want to have, you know, super acidic either, but the grapes are used to um, like not harsh soils, but they're, they're, like you said, they're fighters. They, they like to struggle a bit and the struggle actually helps the, the vine, you know, put more concentration into the fruit. So 
if you have a struggling plant, as you know a lot about plants, obviously, <laughs> it's not going to focus on getting, you know, um, being tall or being a lot of green growth. It's going to focus on putting a lot of concerts into that berry because that's what's going to give, you know, uh, be attracted to birds and other animals to go then spread that seed around, right? So struggling vines are going to get give you more concerted kind of better winemaking uh, starting points. If someone wanted to make their own wine at home, are you cringing or are you like, okay, this is where you've got to start. What are your tips for that? Not cringing at all. Um, okay, good. Winemaking is literally taking fruit um, and having it kind of uh, naturally fermenting. It's a total natural process using literally sugar and yeast and converting it to alcohol and a little bit of carbon dioxide. So I think the biggest thing with home winemaking is that you know, experiment, but just, you got to be on it. The thing about the commercial winemaking is that we are, we're taking these and it's, it's all just, it's done so many years. So we have, we have this process, right? So we're doing it at home. It's not cringeworthy. It's the same exact process. You just gotta make sure things are clean. You gotta stay on top of your VA because, because grapes naturally don't want to be wine. They want to be vinegar. So if we were to leave everything up to its own devices, like just actually just totally be natural, we're going to get a lot of vinegar out of the the hard work that we've done all year to grow these grapes and then just end up with not that great of a product. So then you're adding ginger ale. Maker is a big thing to make sure. Yeah. And then you're adding ginger ale and that's <laughs> back to square one. <laughs> or you're using it to pickle things. And yeah. uh, you know, you, you, you talked okay, about things, the, yeah. on your yeah, salads. You exactly. There you go. I love, I love a good wine vinegar, by the way, as well. It's kind of probably one of my favorite things that are out there. Um, you talked a little bit about the struggling plant uh, and of course, you know, things grow out of struggle. Uh, women in winemaking, uh, you know, for centuries, it was always really a male focused industry overall. But the Niagara region, it seems like uh, women are really getting their roots and, and you're one of the trailblazers there. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I definitely, um, you know, have people ahead of me that really the trailblazers, but I find myself to be um, in a position of maybe um, the up and comers, you know, the, the next generation. And I really noticed that in um, a lot of the assistant winemakers around the area, when I was starting to get to know these people on wine, this game of friends and colleagues, they're all the same age as me. They're all assistants at the time, you know, and it was really an obvious in the next five to 10 years, the shift that's going to be happening in Niagara. And I just think that's really just a reflection on time and things changing um, we're a young industry, you know, people were winemakers because they were farmers. They were farmers because their daddy had Milan and, and it passed on to the sons. And that's just kind of how centuries and centuries. And it's also, we talked about a very, very physical job. It's really not glamorous. It's really time consuming. I know that especially with the pandemic, it's really um, shed light on how women are more likely to quit their jobs and go back to being at home when they need to be at home. And I just think that's a big part of it. And it's really hard um, to get a, a strong foothold but I think too with times changing with our industry changing a bit and all this um, focus on you know work-life balance I think it's going to be a, a really better place for women in our industry for sure. Speaking to work-life balance can you take us through your day like when does it start when does it end what does your typical day look like when you are getting those boots dirty? It's a great question so um i always say the wine industry and the wine um year it's very cyclical so i just do the same thing every single year for the rest of my life basically <laughs> but but no day is ever the same oh. so if you think about um wine making from my point of view is i think of 
it's starting off when you pick the grapes. So that's going to be your September. And those days are 6 a.m. starts and they are finished whenever the last piece of equipment is cleaned that day. And every single day we get everything dirty and it's processing tons and tons of beautiful um, estate grown Pinot Noir. And then you clean it all up and you leave and they do exactly the same thing. It's kind of Groundhog Day for a few weeks to get those grapes in. Um, same thing when the whites come in. So the harvest is just insane. It's, it's seven days a week, 12 plus hours a day for up to three months usually. We don't do ice wine on our property, so we don't have that uh, dragged out process. I know a lot of people in Niagara have like a six month harvest. It's amazing. Oh. Um, it's, it's the longest in the world actually. Um, and then come, you know, December, January, we're stopping ferments. Everything's in barrel. Things are quieter. Things are calmer. I'm working, you know, nine to five. And then it gets into the bottling season. And the bottling season is basically when we're prepping those wines, we just picked and fermented and we're getting them filtered and we're getting them um, ready to go into bottle. And that um, is a lot of physical work. There's a lot of moving of liquid. That's a lot. Those are, those are big days. Um, our winery is a gravity flow winery. So the grapes have an easy time going from top to bottom. That means I go up a lot of stairs and ladders in my day. So it's a little bit, it's, it keeps me in great shape. That's like the biggest thing is I don't have to go to the gym. Um, and then, yeah, bottling is is like a 5.30 start usually in the morning. It's a pretty pretty big day. But once those wines are in bottle, they're off. They've, they've flown the coop and they're ready for you guys to enjoy. Um, and the summer season is a lot of vineyard time. So I am basically in the vineyard every single day just watching the grapes. They, like I said, we have a very steep curve. So they start and then they just, it just go time um, until they are into ripening and veraison in August. And you're just watching them all year. We have a very humid uh, climate in Ontario. So we are watching for humidity, watching for, you know, disease pressure, making sure that we're shoot thinning, we're making sure the grapes have enough sunlight, we leaf pull to make sure that everything is kind of, has the best chance uh, for ripening and survival and to be a clean, clean product. You can't make good wine from bad fruit, but you can make bad wine from good fruit. Yeah, that's, that's totally good. True. That's a tweetable yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. I also know in the Niagara region, I hear the guns going off all the time to keep the birds off. There's always about yeah, the bird bangers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you ever wonder why a bottle of Ontario wine costs a certain amount, the amount of effort the growers put in, and like we're just fighting against everything from too much water in the spring and trying to get in there with tractors to humidity in the summer, vines shutting down because it's 37 degrees outside. And then the birds come and then the birds can clear a crop in an afternoon. And it's just like, it's a constant, constant battle. Um, and it's a hundred percent passion driven for sure. You know, that speaks to agriculture really across the country. You know, farmers out there are, are battling each and every day. And, and a lot of the times they're really not acknowledged for the amount of struggle and challenge, but that's kind of the fun that's as well. My family are greenhouse growers. We used to be farmers. And then we thought we'll put it underneath the cover so that'd be a little bit easier to control. Um, <laughs> Have a chance. We, do something called, we do something called plant trials. So we go out and we look at new varieties of plants and we look at different things in terms of genetics and how that happens. There's wine trials as well that you do. Wine trials like in the building, you mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So yeah, so ultimately the goal is to make the best product. Um, and we... As winemakers, we don't have a lot of tools at our, our disposal. It's grapes and it's oak. Uh, those are my two big things I get to play with. So throughout my time at Flat Rock, you know, I started off basically as a cellar hand. I've, I've moved up as I've been there. And 
um, just learned a lot. And being at the same place for six years really shows you, um, gives you a good broad view of how things can change, how years can affect things. And so some years, you know, are hotter, so you have lower acid gra grapes coming in and you can kind of um, taste through that and see, you know, what you want to do to for, for picking and stuff. You want to pick at the right time. So you're, you're tasting, you're tasting, you're picking um, on certain dates to kind of make sure that acid's balanced. And then same goes for blending trials. So we have 300 barrels, let's say. Some are new oak, some are older oak. They're all Pinot Noir. We're going to taste through all those and do different trials of, of oak treatments that we like because we want to ultimately give the customer the best best wine that we can. And that's kind of where, where my job's important. Um, I've, t I've done years of studying. I've done, you know, years of trials. I've done all this stuff. And, you know, I am now going to make this decision and put it into bottle and hope everyone likes it. That is so <laughs> cool. I love what you yeah. said about how different years can yield different results. And here at Life Seeds, when we talk about you know, throughout the podcast, it's often about life and growing. And I feel like that's just such an important message that we can take away from the garden this time being a vineyard, that life just, it's not always going to be the exact same. You're not always going to get the exact same bottles of wine. In your no. experience, being at Flat Rock, what has that journey been like? Ups and downs? What was like the best year? What were some of the toughest times? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I know that my my boss, Ed, he's, we, we talk a lot about, you know, climate change and this stuff, and that's going to exacerbate the the changes in, in seasons and growing seasons. And he was saying to me, you know, all that says to me is I just have to have the best winemaker possible because you need to be able to roll with those punches. And um, yeah, so there's years that are challenging when we don't have the heat units of the summer. If there's too much rain and we can't get in there to to spray or to, to leaf uh, pull properly, we're gonna have a uh, struggling fruit. And so we have a sorting table at Flat Rock. So when the grapes do come in, if there is grapes that you know are underripe or have you know been affected by disease, they get sorted out of the final product. But um, ultimately then you're, you're reducing your yield. So then that's stressful because then your cost of goods goes up. Um, but then you have your seller years like 2020. And I, I can't praise, I hate 2020. Everyone hates 2020, yeah. I get it. But the silver line of 2020 was that it was the greatest growing season I've ever seen in my career that I, I've been doing this for 10 years now. And I, I was just astonished. We just, we barely took, we had our hands off the sorting table. We just watched perfect clusters float by us into the tanks and I'm thinking like, how is this, this like the silver lining of this year? It's so crazy. So there's years like that. Um, but then the pressure then is that up to me now to babysit that and not mess it up. Right. So you, you start <laughs> here and you, I can't make it better. Right. I have to just make sure it stays at this high level. Um, cause again, you can't add anything to these wines to, to change them. It's, it's grapes and it's oak and it's time. So, um, yeah, I think that's the, the big struggle is that you are rolling with the punches and we really are not in control. It's all mother nature. Um, I can't help it if it rains, if it's pale, if it's drought, it's just a matter of, you know, yeah, he said like, it's life. It's, it's dealing with what you're, what you're dealt. Yeah, that's good. Here's one. a question for you too, you know is is this the perfect job for you do you think when you think about your personality do you feel the connection do you feel the passion uh do you, have you learned things through this about yourself have you you know each and every day when you're out there it's all about challenge and there's a lot of things you can't control it's about being like it sounds like it's about being open but also being knowledgeable is this the perfect job for you do you think this is I, you found it 
It's a great question. Um, I, I honestly do. I think that my, my passion comes through. I think it's a bit much sometimes for my colleagues and I'm like, you know, spun and running around the winery. And Ed always says like, she's always like Tasmanian devil running around, you know, excited about new ideas, new projects. Um, I'll say what I learned about myself that I did not know when I started was um, when I started in the wine program, I wore um, cute little skirts and little flat shoes to school every day. And I, I did my hair all fancy and I of myself that was very that was very important to me um outwardly and now I realize I love wearing steel toe boots I love ponytails and I just love that I get to make something so I've never I didn't know that I was a tactile person and that I loved you know um driving forklifts and I loved seeing an end product and like really feeling and being in touch with what I'm doing and I'll that's the biggest thing I learned is that I am very strong I'm very like into hard work and I always thought I'd sit behind a desk and which is there's nothing wrong with either one. I just didn't know that about myself at all. I really had a, a clear vision of myself at 18 as we all probably do. And it's completely different now. So that's one, one thing I would learn. I always think it's so insane that we tell 18 year olds to choose their career path for the end. Like I remember I was in wealth management and then I just switched around and I, I was reading your, a little bit of your backstory, Allison, and we are so similar in that I also have a science degree. And then I decided, oh my gosh, I want to go into broadcasting, but it like still all came full circle. And yeah. I find that there's so many moments in life, so many people, so many experiences. Education is something, even if it's not in the field, you still learn something from it. And uh, whether that's just learning to learn. I don't know. I always, yeah. I always thought that that was cool. So I'm going to a dinner party. I'm not actually because COVID, but <laughs> you in a scenario. <laughs> It'll just be me, let's, Scott. Let's and our, yeah. Could you imagine? Oh my God. Okay. So I'm going to put it's you in a that. scenario. I'm going to my first dinner party back. We're all vaccinated, baby. It's good. I have to one, bring a bottle of wine with me and two, sound knowledgeable about it what is the bottle of wine I should bring and what should I say about it? <laughs> um, so you've just been vaccinated this year, friends. It is time to celebrate. I am going to say you bring a bottle of Ontario sparkling mm -hmm. because, and what you say about it is the most undervalued product on the market. Ontario sparkling wine is absolutely fantastic. We have the perfect growing region for it because you're picking sparkling early to, to retain that nice bright acidity, right? And we grow Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, like tons of it. And those are the perfect grapes that they grow in Champagne for sparkling wine. And the knowledge we have in Ontario, these winemakers are growing this amazing, amazing sparkling. And they're selling it for 30 bucks a bottle, maybe 40 bucks a bottle. And it is made with the just traditional method, just like Champagne is, except you can't call it that because it's protected. <laughs> but, but, you, but you get to be this new hip person who knows the next up and coming thing like that's what you're you're saying about it you're like oh you guys haven't heard about ontario sparkling oh this is like the hottest product it is perfectly made it's traditional method it's aged on the leaves it's secondary fermented bottle you know it's done exactly the same way except it's a third of the price and you can drink three bottles of it that means you know so what you're really <laughs> getting is value and it is for celebrating it is just bubbles it's fresh it's there's so many different styles that people are making now it's amazing so that's definitely what I would recommend awesome 
You know, when it comes to wine in Ontario as well, the, the benefit Ontario has is there's, there's no rules because, you know, we're not in a region that has a history or we have to do things a certain way. That freedom probably makes the Ontario wine industry probably one that's uh, going to be the innovator. It's the innovator of the entire world. Absolutely. I think there's so much going on in the Ontario um, wine region. There's a lot of discussion um, about us focusing you know like how New Zealand is like you know New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc you know you know Burgundy Pinot Noir you just know there's certain grapes in certain places Canada doesn't really have that yet or, or Ontario I should say doesn't really have that yet but the other thing too is the flip side is so many different things so many great things and like you said we can kind of you know be innovators try new things do the orange wines do the natural wines do the hybrids like you know, if we can't grow certain varietals in Ontario because of our climate, innovate, try something new, do a hybrid, do blends, all this stuff. Um, geotextiles are a huge thing right now that people are using in their vineyards to blanket them to actually ripen Sauvignon Blanc and ripen all these and have these last for the winter. And it's such a great idea. Like if climate change is very a real thing and if we are going to continue to have a viable um, business and viable vineyards, we need to, you know, roll with the punches and change at the times. So I have to give a shout out to Jacob for connecting us. He works at Flat Rock Cellars and I'm so thankful. I just want to know why Flat Rock? Like why going to Niagara? There are so many vineyards. Why should we come visit you guys? I already know because I've had a couple of bottles of wine from there so I can put my stamp of approval for sure on. But what do you think? Um, yeah, you know, I think I agree. There's so many amazing wineries come to Flat Rock because I know what we do there. And I know that it's, it's all, you know, starts in the vineyard. It's all of our, every little step we take to give you that perfect, perfect experience, that perfect bottle. I do everything I can to make sure that the wine is fantastic, but I just know that the customer service side is like second to none. You walk into the winery, you stare out of our tasting room and it's Vineyards Lake and the city of Toronto. You can see right across the lake. You're up in the escarpment. It's so stunning. Um, we have amazing, amazing staff who are just like the biggest wine nerds you've ever seen. And they are ready to geek out with you and teach you everything about Flat Rock and the soil and the history and wine and tasting. And it's really, really just a fun, fun place to work and be. And, you know, it's just beautiful to sit up on our green roof patio, enjoy a glass of BQA, well-made wine from the grapes that you're staring at as you, as you're enjoying it. So yeah, I'm, I'm just obsessed with it because it's my home. It's like, it's like where I've <laughs> kind of grown up, you know? Oh, I love I it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So on a selfish level, uh, I am, I know we can hang out because I know you love Pinot Noir. Um, I am <laughs> Pinot Noir. That's my, my go-to. It's kind of funny. You know, I've kind of gone through Barolos and Marones because being Italian, Chianti, but here I am. And I'm ending off a Pinot Noir. And I've been really a big fan of Pinot Noir for the last several years because it's easy to drink and it just seems like it's just easier on my body as well. So a Pinot Noir, what should be a bottle of Pinot Noir that I should order today? Well, um, just any single bottle or from, or from Flat Rock Cellars. Because I think that if you're ordering a bottle today, uh, definitely we, we've been doing really... Um, fun and cool things with our, our gravity portfolio and our Pinot Noir. So, you know, um, it's always a barrel selection. It's always the same, it's the estate fruits, always hand-picked, hand-sorted, um, you know, single batch ferments, and then aged in French oak, 
And then we select each barrel and the gravities have just been getting better and better. And I think that's a big thing is the vineyard age. I think that, you know, 15 was an amazing year. And I think that the 18 and the 19 are just like getting spectacular. They're, they're changing, they're evolving, they're getting more uh, textural, they're getting a little bit bigger. They're not, they're not big, Nor is a medium body wine, as you know, but um, our gravity, anything, any year, you're going to find an amazing wine. So definitely. I'm going there. I'm doing that. it. <laughs> yeah. He's like online already ordering. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, can you tell us just about that gravity process? Just because I've seen in your pictures, those huge, you know, barrels that you have to do. I like even asking this question, it's hard to ask because I don't know enough to ask it, but I think yeah, you yeah. know where I'm going, going up and down those stairs. What is the gravity doing? Yeah. So, um, it goes back to the building. So the building is built up instead of out. So we have five levels of winemaking that could have been spread out over more of a footprint. But when the family looked at the escarpment, they wanted to have as little impact on the environment around them as possible. So they, instead of going out and taking up more land, they went up and down. So the other thing about that is that uh, the grapes come in up top and from there, they don't get pumped until, they don't get pumped, the, red, the reds anyway. So grapes come in, they fall into a fermenter. From the fermenter, they ferment on the skins, get the tannins, get the color, get all that fun stuff happening. They then fall into the press on level three. From there, they get barreled to level five down below, all done by gravity. And what happens with the gravity is just, it's a a gentler process. Um, Pinot Noir, we talked about, it's a medium bodied red wine. It's not, you know, a big tannic cuff skinned, you know, bruiser. It is a softer, more delicate grape. It's a softer, more delicate wine in, in some in cases. Um, and what you're doing with the gravity is just kind of having a more, less beating up, less oxygen introduced kind of process. And it's it's a stylistic decision that they made 20 some years ago. It also just pays um, homage to how wine was made centuries ago because there was no pumps, there was no stainless steel. There was just a hill you built your winery into and had the grapes on one uh, at the top of the hill. <laughs> the barrels at the bottom of the hill and that was kind of just how how it worked cool but you know what thanks for uh, for joining us today you know it's oh. uh when, when it comes to passion like i'll tell you when it comes to people you can tell that you're passionate it it makes me want to um try different wines it actually makes me want to experiment as well it makes me want to come down there and, and see um I, I always feel like there's an energy in the Niagara region. It's kind of funny. When I drive to certain areas, I always feel like there's an energy. And I kind of feel the energy of passion and love, not only just with the, the vineyards that are there. There's a lot of greenhouse growers there that are friends of mine as well. So it's an area that I absolutely love. Same. I'm not, like I said, I'm, I'm from Northern Ontario. I did not grow up around peaches or grapes or a lot of blueberries. Um, <laughs> but I, I just love Niagara too because we're just so surrounded by unbelievable bounty and farmers and vineyards and all this really cool stuff and now you know build great lakes and I'm just I'm really just always curious about Niagara I know that Northern Ontario is my home my heart's there my family's there but my brain is in Niagara like I want to see what happens here I'm just so curious about it all the time so yeah I love it too I love that you said that too Frankie because I I've been on a wine tour before. I don't know about you guys listening as well, but it's just always so cool learning and talking about food pairings and all of these things because that's just the good stuff in life, 100%. 
Okay, where can we find you? Let's do some plugs. If people come to the winery and they want to learn more, can they say, where's Allison at? Tell us about it. Absolutely. So um, the hard part about COVID is that the one of the funnest parts of my job is gone because I don't do events. I don't do customer interaction. It's kind of just like that whole social aspect is taken away from me. And it's kind of like I'm alone in the cellar. It's just humdrum. Um, but yeah, if you <laughs> want to connect with me online, obviously at Winemakers Boots, I am happy to chat with you on Instagram and at the winery. Again, if we are open and eventually can do tastings again, please um, reach out to our hospitality manager and she will set you up with um, either a tour and a tasting or a private tour and a tasting with myself. Um, and yeah, we, uh, we're happy to have people as soon as we can safely, obviously. Um, but yeah, I'm here to be reached out to whenever. I believe we're going to be running a giveaway with you guys too. So be sure to check out Life Seeds podcast on Instagram to see how you can be involved with that. Flowers, wine, it sounds good to me. Frankie, how about you take us out? Yeah, so that's episode three of Life Seeds uh, with Allison. And Allison, a fantastic time to be here. You know what? We got grapey, we got viney. We learned a little <laughs> bit about life overall. And now that we have the real squish, I'm going to go into a dish and get online and order my wine. Wow. Okay. <laughs> what a Allison. way to end it. Thanks, guys. Have an awesome Thanks, day. Allison. Bye, yeah, Allison. You Thank you. Bye. Bye. Oh my god that was hilarious were you writing that no oh, wow <laughs> you are you are truly a gem in the biz frankie what did you think about allison she's awesome you know what when you think awesome. about um adversity you know when you think about northern ontario it's a big thing from somebody from northern ontario i have lots of friends in sault ste marie she's from dryden ontario um you know, to think about coming down and to put roots in a new community in an industry that's male dominated, uh, amazed, amazed about what she's doing today. And I'm looking forward to what she'll do tomorrow. And the Niagara region is like a gem. We always say that uh, we always look at Niagara Falls as one of the wonders of the world. The Niagara region in terms of agriculture is a wonder of the world. A hundred percent. You know, I really wanted her to tell us about her women in wine tasting and her own, but you know what? It's so hard for people to toot their own horn. Allison has been pivotal in bringing women into the Niagara region. She's created this brainchild that's been super important to her, having more women experience wine in that way. And I just thought it was so cool. Speaking to seasons in your life and the way that different years yield different fruit. Frankie, what have you taken away from life about that? It's different years. You know, when you talk about uh, different wines, how different years have different tastes. So if we look at our lives, that we, we generally have different years of our lives that maybe were a little bit sweeter than others. And then there's some that maybe left us a little sour. But it's the collection of those years that make us better. And, and we grow. We all grow through those. And as a winemaker, you're learning through those collection of years, the adversities, the too much rainfall. We get sometimes in our lives too much rain. And then sometimes we have a year that's just perfectly sunny. It's amazing that in 2020, a year that we saw so much adversity, that uh, the wine, it could be the best wine ever, that the, the yield is so amazing. And that's generally it. It's about what is being given to us versus what takes what's being taken away. And maybe what was given to the wine is less people on the roads and less travel and less, uh, less environmental pollutants that are out there. And all of a sudden you got perfect wine. So there's always a silver lining, just the lesson to be learned. 
I mean, I don't want to promote overconsumption, but I think we all needed a glass of wine in 2020 and someone out there was like, you know what? Let's give them the best grapes. I drank a lot of wine in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> a <laughs> yeah, when she was talking about that, those different seasons, I was like, I I now, in my 30s, we did it, we made it. I can look back on years in my 20s and be like, that was a tough year, but I'm glad I had it because I'm so much better for it. And I think that's so hard sometimes thinking when you're going through, when you're just going through the sludge, it's like being on a bike and you're just going uphill, but you're gonna get to that vantage point where everything makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. I loved, I loved I remember, that interview. You know, yeah, and, and with you, I remember, you know, when you went through a bad breakup and how you yeah. were destroyed and and how your confidence was destroyed at that point. And then you met this fantastic guy named Scotty who popped into your life and uh, just in the last few weeks popped out a ring and said, yes. hey, marry me. And yeah, guys. on that as well, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, we haven't said that on the podcast. I am now officially an engaged woman. So I'm sure that we we should get a wedding planner on here, something to do with like florals and weddings. And that would be a really fun podcast. Yeah, it would be. And congratulations to you. That was an amazing podcast, by the way. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening again. You can follow us at Life Seeds Podcast, Frankie at Frank Jean on Instagram, me at Below the Blonde. We always love chatting with you. And if you are listening and you think, hey, I know someone who would be a perfect guest for this podcast, that's exactly how we got Allison. Jacob, my friend, reached out. He's from Flat Rock Cellars. Shout out to you guys as well. Go check out their wine, their website. They are Flat Rock Cellars on Instagram. And he said, I really think that you would have a great conversation with Allison being a woman in the biz. So we would love to hear from you. Keep growing, everybody. Live Seeds, episode three, over and out. <laughs>